hello and welcome to the Be Better podcast where we believe any and every area of your life has a little more potential that you can tap into to change the course and trajectory of your outcomes. My name is Clarissa Parody and I am your host and I have worked and trained in the worlds of business strategy, leadership, and performance. And I am the person who believes in and creates success where there appears to be ceilings. And if that sounds like something that's in your world, your reality, and something you want more of, welcome to the show. It is a great day to change your life. Let's go. Excellent. Excellent. Welcome back to the Be Better podcast. We have had a journey and today I get to introduce you to the wonderful Joanne. Oh my gosh. Now I'm going to do it wrong. Bartolome. We have a little finesse at the end. Um, she is the owner of Empathy Marketing, or if you are French, she can say it better. I think it's Empathy. I could like be empathy. wrong. Yeah, that's right. Empathy, empathy. Yeah. Oh, that makes sounds. That sounds nice. I like yeah. that. It's romantic. It's a, little, a little bit with your throat. Like, Ooh, I like it's deep yeah. back. I like how that sounds. Uh, you know, not necessarily for this podcast, but how language sits in different parts, like different languages sit in different parts of your whole like larynx, mouth, lips, palate. It's just for those of you who've never learned about that kind of thing, it is very interesting. Anyways, Joanne went out on her own. She said sayonara to corporate and started her own business. And it has been, you've had a journey and you've, I can, we, we chatted when you first went on your own and yep. you almost had a plan B. Oh, I almost did. I <laughs> you, almost almost had a, you almost had a plan B. And that is not how it shook out for you. And I am so thrilled that you are here. You have been blowing up. I'm seeing you everywhere, speaking for all sorts of things on all sorts of podcasts. And I am so excited that you agreed to chat with me today. How the heck are you? I am good. I'm honored to be here, of course. I'm so excited. Um, for those who don't know me and Clarissa have known each other way back, like way, way back. So it's nice to catch up and see how our journeys have evolved over this time. So it's been good. It's been good. It's been wild. It's been busy, but it's also been really interesting and different and learning and it's good. It's been a good time. It is. We are on my way to record this. I was voice noting Joanne. I was like, listen, I am late. I got, we've got runs between a photo shoot. And she's like, oh my God, I totally get that. Because the truth is in our worlds, we're often bouncing around a little bit. We're, we're like, you jump from one task to the other and you have to be very good at task switching. Yep. That's Quick right. And clever. And also as organized as possible, knowing that it'll all probably go sideways anyways. <laughs> Just mine. Okay, so I want I I want to go back, zoom back a little bit. I, maybe let's do it. Let's go in the way back machine. The way back machine. Yeah, let's do little, it. Little little Joanne, talk to me about little Joanne. Did you, what what was her idea of what life would be like compared it to what it's like, like now? Like this. It was not oh like this. <laughs> oh my goodness! In the best way possible. Do not get me wrong. So little Joanne, that journey. Um, a lot of people don't know that I was of course born here, but my parents were from the Philippines. So our life was very safe. It was the mm -hmm. idea that you're covering the safety net of, you know, you need food on the table, a good career, and that's success. That's success in our eyes. So of course, the biggest thing for us was academics, you know, going to school, trying to get a good job, working as starting at the age of 14, right? There was a lot of stuff that happened in the beginning. So when I fell in love with marketing, it was like, what is that? And for those who are of a different generation, like myself, marketing is not what it is today. It was like 
old school billboards, radio ads, like what, what is this? There was no Shopify, there was nothing. So to people around their heads around this, it was something that I don't think people talked about often. Mm-hmm. And now we're going to the world where marketing is almost everything. It's everything that everyone talks about. It's grown to become so much part of our personality. So my goal always, and we talk about vision, is my vision is that women and women of color are empowered, enabled, and encouraged to achieve their courageous goals, whatever that is. So my goal for myself is going, okay, before I said, you know, I just need a safe job. I just want to play it safe. But now what does that look like? And what does representation look like? What does it look like to go out of the whim and go in a career path that isn't necessarily set out for you? So that's what it started like. And here we are. Today. Here we are. And how audacious to go from a family that, because you, you kind of pick up what your family puts out for you. So if safety is one, if safety is one of those things that's really prioritized in your family, it absolutely takes something to say, I'm going to say, I'm going to step outside of safety, out of the known, out of what's expected, out of what I think is was certain certainty is a lie anyways for all of us for for all of you who want to know if certainty is real I don't know if it is (laughs) couldn't tell you Uh, but what I do know is that when you you can think you are certain that is possible I but you don't ever really know the outcome of anything your safe job could literally be something that is there are, are paths of careers that are dissolved and there are paths of careers that have been carved that did not exist three years ago one year ago five years ago and so to step out of that safety net takes something. So what do you think it, it was that had you be willing to say sayonara to safety? Yeah, that's a big question because when you talk to a lot of individuals in our field, when we talk about leaving corporate or we talk about that next step that was very unorthodox that people wouldn't expect, a lot of times there had to be some sort of trigger or some sort of thing that really pushed us over the edge Mm. and that for me was that I was starting to get really bored like there was something out there that in your gut felt a little bit wrong like this is not for me but you push those thoughts behind like in the back of your head because you're thinking you're surrounded with people who say play it safe like play it safe do something that's for your career all those pieces But in reality, it was only until I went into university was I surrounded with other people with other mindsets that started to show me that there are other possibilities out there. So you and I, before, when we started this podcast, uh, talking offline, we talked about how people we surround ourselves with very much, you know, intrigues our, our thought process, or it talks about like how we can open up our mind to other possibilities. And that's only when I was able to surround myself with other people and see different perspectives did I see that there was something out there that could be for me. Just knowing that the possibility was out there was another thing for me. That's and that's so why cool. representation is so good too, because when you see that as well, you're thinking, okay, maybe maybe I can make a play at this too. Absolutely. I And one thing that you said that I just want to draw people's attention to is she talked about like the path. The way, the way that we expect to go. And one of the questions that's people are like, well, what makes sense? And what makes sense doesn't actually have to make logical sense. We often assume that it's the next logical step, the next logical path. Okay. So if you, let's say, go into corporate, you become a marketing coordinator, senior coordinator, manager, director, VP. Okay. Well, those are the logical steps. 
but what makes more sense? What makes more sense for who you are, for the like the contribution and value that you naturally bring for your natural pro- proclivities, your passion, your purpose? Because you were talking about courageous moves and bold decision-making to, to speak up and stand out and, and do your thing. And that doesn't happen necessarily in the world of linear and, and the, in the world of logic. That's so fun. doesn't have to make sense. But what one thing that you said was super interesting is that it didn't feel like it was for you. Yeah. Let's walk me through that. Walk me through that. So this is something that not many people talk about when it comes to, uh, uh, you know, logical thinking is that we always think that the head and the heart and the gut are like all separate pieces. So we never stop and think to ourselves what feels right in this moment, right? There's a, there's a feeling. So even when we do marketing, our question is, well, how do you want people to feel when they see that piece of content or see, you know, the brand colors that are, what's, what's the feeling and emotion. And so for me, a lot of feelings and emotion can happen. It doesn't have to be positive. It can also be these negative emotions we talk about, which is anger, despair. We can also feel like some people are judging us, right? There's those pieces with that. And how I felt was that people were judging me. That's why I always felt. I always mm-hmm. felt people were judging me because they're like, you could be so successful at this linear career path if you set your mind to it. And then you can become a senior marketing manager making your a hundred thousand a year and cap out there. But I just felt like, why is it always external resources telling me what I want to do? What does Joanne actually want to do? That's and I want to so take that step it. back because mm. so many of us are thinking, okay, well, society tells me this, or this business coach is saying, this is how they did it. So perhaps I should do it the same way. Right. But to be able to look inwards and say, wait, what do I actually want at the end of the day because we're so influenced by subculture and family and the people we surround ourselves with we never took a look at internally myself and go what do I actually want and when I had no answer that's that was the feeling for me was when I had no answer and then I felt lost and sad and thinking what is my identity outside of this what does Joanne even enjoy outside of work like what what's that and that really was a choice for me to say okay Maybe it's time to renegotiate with myself and just allow myself to think about other opportunities. I love that. Okay, we're gonna go back to you. There was so all of that was so good. So it's a lot, we could, right? We could just replay that. Just listen to it eight times because there's goods to be taken away. So one thing you talked about was like the linear path or whatever, whatever makes sense, either people telling you, or sometimes I feel like you're not even told you just all of a sudden you have some kind of structure in your mind that believes this. And you're not even, I have found myself in that situation where I don't even know where I got that belief. I'm like, who told me life had to be this way. I don't even remember someone specifically saying this is the path. Like, did I just observe it? And then I decided this is what makes sense. And so I gave myself a rule about the paradigm that I thought I saw before me that I thought I understood. And have it not be what's so if you look back like it, at listeners and Joanne and myself looking back in your life has it has there been one career path like not for me I've had maybe I think I lost my account today was seven and I like Joanne like variety and so when you feel like you're getting bored or when you ask yourself that question you're like oh I don't know I don't know what I want and you have that void the great thing about a void is that something can go in it. <laughs> like when you realize the thought you have or the belief you have, you don't know where you picked it up. And when you say, is this really what I want? And your answer is either is there, there's a vacant space or your, your answer is, I don't know. It can be the most gut-wrenching feeling. It can be like, how do I not know? 
How do I not yeah. know? How do I not know who I am? So how did you get out of that? Like that, what was, what was your path leading forward? You're like, you, your answer was, I don't know. Yeah. Then what? Absolutely. That's the thing too, is that when you say, I don't know, a lot of us are so hard on ourselves. Mm. Like, oh my God, I don't know. I better figure it out now. Like how many times I talked to my sister and she's younger than me. She's like, well, I don't know what I want to do with the rest of my life. What am I supposed to be doing right now? I want to make YouTube videos, but I'm also an engineer, but right. There's a lot of, well, I don't know. And then it's really interesting because what I went through as a journey, and this is what I recommend for a lot of people is being comfortable enough to take incremental steps that make no sense. And that's what it is. It's like, it's just falling in love with the journey rather than the destination as we always talk about. So one thing that I always tell people is that there's this famous Filipino quote. I love it. Um, I have to, I'm going to try my best to translate it. And it's those who do not know where they came from will not get to where they are going. Mm. So allowing myself to even just look back and acknowledge where I came from to find comfort in that and say, you know what, I'm going to go wherever I want to go. I'll try something, see if it works out. If not, but I knew that I couldn't do the same thing. That's what I had to say. To get out of that, I just had to change my patterns of thinking. And in order to change the patterns of thinking, I had to try something that's unconventional, which is, you know, let's try something a little bit different. So I took on some projects that were on the side. Um, so I tried photography for a bit, some calligraphy. I just did it because I wanted to. I wanted to see what the opportunities were there. And I think there's also studies that find that when you are doing something that isn't necessarily in our world productive in quotation marks, so working or whatnot, and doing something like running, for example, or journaling, or doing something outside of that, you actually gain a lot more clarity. So feeling comfortable with filling the cup with things that I enjoyed and not feeling guilty with the fact that I didn't know the destination of why I took it on. We always have to feel like we have to this why with it. So that's what I did for about a year or two. I just tried a bunch of stuff. Um, and from there, surround yourself with people and just ask them questions, see what they love about things, what they dislike about things through conversation. And don't think that you have to figure it all right now because it took me like two years. Like not many people see that and say, oh, you just left corporate. <laughs> that wasn't the case. It took me about two years to really figure out and get out of that rut. And during that time, we call it like a discovery time. And that's okay too. Like I'm not missing out on prime years or thinking about, oh, I'm missing out. I just saw it as, you know what, if I'm happy with the fact that I'm surrounded by great people, I'm doing what I love, I'm filling my cup with some things I enjoy, then I'm winning at the end of the day. And that energy, I don't know if you talk about energy much, but that energy definitely attracts something else and opens up doors and opportunities. The second that I got into that scarcity mindset of, oh my goodness, I'm, I'm not at this point where I'm not doing what I'm supposed to be doing. You know, I'm, I could, I should, those words come up. Then I think to myself, okay, now it's time to take a step back. Yeah. Could and should really live in the world of comparison. Yeah. And the, the game you're playing is life <laughs> and, and the person there's the person who wins is you. And so you, I was once told that you can win at whatever you you were always winning at whatever game you're, game you're playing. So if you're playing the game of it doesn't work out, you will win the game of it doesn't work out. If you are playing the game of, I have to figure it out, you will spend your time figuring it out and you won't necessarily get to the end part because the figuring it out part is, is the putting the pieces together. So you'll just be gathering and gathering and gathering and gathering and gathering. And so 
what are you doing? And I love that you took the, the time to enjoy things, to do things for the sake of enjoyment. And when you talk about that space for clarity, when we're not hustling and bustling with like stress and figuring it out. And when that, when we, when we put ourselves in that world, it's just, you put yourself in like in a stress response and your stress response looks for the easiest thing to either dial back your stress, confirm that you are safe and it limits your creativity because it's focusing on survival and survival is, is great. That's important, but it's also limiting. And in the world of thriving, thriving gives space. A garden that's surviving is a, is a is like a turnip fighting amongst dandelions for space in the garden. When we give ourselves fertile soil and we take out the the other things, the woods, the coulds, the shoulds, the comparisons, and we remove some of those dandelions, the turnip has space to grow and flourish. But the truth is, if you constantly check on said seed, see if it's growing, see if it's growing, see if it's growing, it's not given space to just sit in the sun, to relish, to grow, just to be. You're just going to disturb the turnip and it's never going to grow. And I don't even like turnips, but someone does. I love that because I'm a big plant person. So all the plant quotes, I love it. it. Are you still gardening? I am still gardening. I'm growing corn right now and tomatoes and cucumbers and pumpkin, like a lot of stuff. Oh my God. Okay. What totally trajectory change for the conversation? What have you learned from gardening? So this isn't actually, this is a really good question because not many people look uh, at this a different way with gardening. A lot of people think that plant people are great plant people just because we love greenery. Like we just love being around plants. Mm -hmm. But the truth is planting is nurturing. Mm -hmm. You get really good at knowing how to nurture and watching for signs because they can't verbally tell you what they need. Mm. you very almost empathetic with your plants to watch out. Yeah. You get to watch out all the different things that could go wrong and how to protect them and grow them and nurture them in a way that they can't communicate. So, oh my gosh, cool. observe, 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 observe. What a great lesson from plants. And the truth is uh, humans very much the same way. Mm-hmm. How many humans do not communicate what they need, what's going on for them, what's wrong with them. But if you gave a moment of space and stillness and sat there and watched and observed, world so could look better. pretty different, right? World could look very like, different. Read the room is what my sister would say. <laughs> read the room. <laughs> I, there's been a few times where I haven't read the room. I get in my own little world sometimes, you know, it just happens. Okay. So we haven't, I mean, I know what you do. So I, I think I kind of jumped the gun into asking you a bunch of questions, That's but okay. if you, if you, if you were to explain to the listeners, what it is that you do, what is it that you do? Yeah, this is interesting. So I would call myself a content creator, digital advisor, business owner, and we also do social media and an advertising kind of way when it comes to the agency. So I feel like I'm multifaceted because mm-hmm. like you, I do speaking engagements and I love talking about marketing as a whole and strategy, but my real focus is social media because of the fact that consumer behavior changes so much and it's so organic it's so real. You have so much control over it. Um, so that would be what I would say I am. I'm a digital advisor as well as a content creator. And I also own a marketing agency here in Edmonton. She owns a marketing agency. First of all, for those of you who have ever done agency work, it is a world. It is, I like, if you, if you want to know what hard work is like, and you don't want to do like necessarily I'll call it physical labor. Marketing is very much physical labor. You're doing content creation. You're doing photo shoots. You are lifting. You better be able to squat at least your body weight. Um, 
but it, it's, it's a lot of hustle. You have to move and move quickly and, and be observant and take advantage of things in, in the moment and capture the greatness. So talk to me about your journey with growing this agency. Cause I remember when you started, it was, you had one name, you've rebranded, you've grown your team, you've gotten a bigger office. Like the sky is the freaking limit here. This woman is on fire. Uh, so talk me through that journey. What got yeah, you? What happened? Wild. It's wild. Like, I don't think people realize, like they see this linear approach, like we talked about, but yeah. it was not like that. <laughs> like, that was not how it went. Um, so you're right. When we first chatted, uh, it was under the name Yeg Marketing. So that limiting belief mindset again, I thought I was just going to serve clients in Edmonton. Mm. And we mm -hmm. offered every service imaginable, like websites. And by we, I met myself and a partner, but there's no longer a partner now. It's just myself. So it was websites, online ads, social media, copywriting, like any marketing service you could think of. We did that. And then, of course, I realized that that was not the case. I wanted to focus on my one thing, which I was passionate about, which was content creation, social media, because I saw that there was, you know, a bit of a need for it in Edmonton. But also, I felt like there were a lot of people out here who needed the help of storytelling mm. and in a very organic way. Like, I love storytelling. I love branding. So that's where I evolved into was more of that storytelling, social media strategy, a little bit more of, you know, how to do your social media, like how to post on Instagram, those tiny pieces, tactical pieces, which eventually grew into strategy. So as I evolved, I realized the name Yeg Marketing did not mean that I could attract other people outside of Edmonton. It made me feel like I wasn't, again, if I look back, I said to myself, what does Joanne want? And I would love to work with brands in Toronto, Calgary, Vancouver, even in the States, but I felt capped at that name. So it took me some time to, uh, you know, think of a new name. And at the time it was just myself and the contractor. So things were getting a little bit busier because I felt like I did marketing in a very different way. I did something called empathetic marketing, which is why I rebranded the name to Empathy Creative. And the reason that it's in French was that that's where I started. A lot of our clientele in the beginning were French clientele. So very bilingual base. There's a bilingual community here in Edmonton. So that's why it pays homage to that concept of, okay, that's where we started from. Just like that quote, but that's where we started from. And here is now where we're going. Um, when I rebranded, um, I took on another contractor to kind of help with that. But I thought to myself, contracting is a great it's a great start, but employees in the agency world is kind of the way to go because then you know like what kind of projects we're working on. They're a little bit more integrated. So I made my first hire then, and we were all kind of working virtual. And what a whirlwind the first hire is, let me tell you. it. Uh, and it's not against the first hire, it's against me because I think to myself, there were no systems in place. There was no training involved. There was no way to set them up for success. Like you really have to look internally about now you're building a business. You're not just, you know, winging it at this point. So that's kind of where I've involved into. Um, of course, now we are here. At, we do have an office, a co-working space here at the Creative Hive, which is fabulous. And that was my next big step. That was, I was driving with my sister to Calgary and she said, you know, you should just take this. This is the next best step for you. You do need a space to take pictures and all those pieces as we do in photography. 
and here we are now. Here we are now with so much great clientele. It's been roughly four years, four hard years of learning, growing, changing, seeing how who I could bring on as talent and who I actually needed and learning on a leadership style, you know, what, what kind of leader am I? And what do I need in the team to help balance out all this different energy? So now we're a team of three wonderful individuals hoping to add on a fourth. That's so fun. That's so fun. Uh, what was your biggest takeaway or what some of your biggest takeaways from uh, onboarding new hires? Oh, that's a big one. That's been, there is a lot of books out there when it comes to how to start a business. There's not a lot of books out there when it comes to growing, scaling, onboarding. Like it's a very much more leadership based. So like top three takeaways when it comes to growing a team or expanding a team. I think the first one is to remember what your job is as a business owner. So your job as a business owner is to make sure revenue is coming through the door to make sure that team culture is, of course, at highest, highest point, that you are driving the vision of the business and that the business does not run out of money. That is your main goals. Payroll is important. <laughs> yes, huge. What, the big takeaway with that is that you can also only expect that much from your, uh, your employees. So if I'm the person that's driving business, holding company culture, all those pieces, I have to be the one that leads that in order for everyone else to follow. They can't just come into play and see the mission, vision, values and not live up to it if I don't live up to it myself. So that was the biggest takeaway. Mm. Very strong mission, vision, values. Um, the second takeaway, of course, is thinking about not just what you need right now, but also what you think you need long term. So a big mistake I see a lot of business owners make is that they hire on too early or they hire on because they think that they're getting busy and that's the first thing they think of. We don't think about maybe it's time to relook at our processes or maybe it's time to relook at the vision of the company. We don't go back strategically. We just think we're getting busy, so we're going to hire another person. So that's the next one. And then the last key takeaway that I tell a lot of people when it comes to, to growing a team is um, your team actually values compliments. It's like reverse psychology. This like masculine energy of, you know, trying to drive your team and trying to push them to reach like key performance indicators and goals. Actually, a lot of them just want to know that they're doing a good job. So knowing the difference between mentorship, manager work, and also leadership work as, as a business, you have to know which role you're playing at the certain time. Are you mentoring them right now? Or are you trying to be a manager and trying to talk about goals, et cetera? So it's, it's different. You wear a lot of hats as a business owner. Absolutely. And to go to your point about compliments, one of the things, uh, so back in the day I used to work with kids and adults aren't much different than children. We just have bigger bodies and slightly more complex brains with more baggage, usually emotionally. And the one thing we learned with kids is if, if kids were standing in a line and a bunch weren't, you go, Jackie, I love that you're standing. So like against the line in, in line against the wall, Boom, the rest of the kids get in line. And it's and it's not a form of manipulation. It's acknowledging the behaviors. And then of course you acknowledge that too. And I think one thing that I've I personally really value on, on teams is when I can say like, your job should never be thankless. And you know, as as a leader or a boss or a business owner, it's like, well, some people will say, Well, you're paid to do it. I'm like, yeah. And if you knew that person would show up 
and, and do the same work. Cause right now they're guessing, they're guessing if you're liking what they do or not. You, they're guessing, like they're trying to read your body language. And if you have something else on your mind, like that meeting that's coming up, that's really important. And you're like, KK, thanks. Like KK, thanks. It's okay. It's satisfactory. You don't like it. And they come back with something else, or maybe they get deflated. There is nothing wrong or limiting or anything that will stifle your business by saying thank you, even if it's the task you're paying for. Yep. If you go to a restaurant and someone passes you your meal, I often say thank you. Like she's supposed to bring me <laughs> my salad or whatever <laughs> it is. That's literally, but I say thank you. And and it's not, I mean, maybe it's habitual. I always am grateful for food. So absolutely I'm thanking that person for bringing me food. But it's like, what if, what if we just did that with our team? All like regularly or tell them that we appreciate them, like take them even out of the moment, taking like an actual pause to full stop acknowledge, just like, thank you. Yeah. What, what, what difference does that make? It's a huge difference. That is wonderful. Okay. I want to know where, like, when did you almost quit? Like, I'm sure there's been days you said, you said there was ups and downs. Tell me about a time where you were like, I'm going to kick this to the can. I'm done. I'm out. Yeah. That's, that's a tough one because I think it happens a lot for a lot of business owners, but happened yesterday, <laughs> but there was like, of course, an all time low because as business owners, we give so much and mm -hmm. a lot of people, we give so much in general. Um, that I've, a lot of people I talk to don't leave a lot for themselves. So mm. the point where I just feel like I wanted to quit was we hit, like we lost sales when it came to the business. When you grow a team, you also lose clients. I just want to be very transparent about that because it's growing pains of, oh, it's not you, Joanne, doing my work anymore. You Now you have a team. Like there, there has to be a transition period that you're accounting for, for the fact that teams need to be trained. Like there's going to be like things that need to be learned and that's okay. That's part of the growing pains. Um, so, you know, clients, of course, dropped. Um, there could be like people, you know, critiquing the work, which is, always difficult to hear as of that but for me it was my mental health wasn't doing too well mm -hmm. um we weren't bringing money through the door and it went back to like that small joanne going joanne you're not safe anymore like you're not making money so oh my goodness then you go back to your basic needs which is safety food and shelter and going how am i going to pay rent next month how am i going to put food on the table like if I don't bring in money, how is my team going to actually get their payroll in? And I remember when this happened probably like a year ago where the draw came out for payroll and there wasn't enough money that came out for payroll. At that point, I'd already taken out $15,000 of debt. I had put $15,000 on my line of credit at that time to cover because as we know, if we go back to pandemic year, it wasn't the best. So there was also debt in the company. And when that, when that money came out and you go back to that mindset of, oh my goodness, like this is what everyone was telling you, Joanne, maybe they were right. And you start playing those thoughts inside your head. That was the point that I was so ready to quit. Mm. I was so close because I said, well, at least there, I could just go back and get a job. At least I can go get a part. It's safe. It's easier. I have predictable revenue every month. It's that like relationship with money that just kept coming back because it went back to childhood thoughts. So at that point to get out of that, it was not easy. Oh my mm -mm. God. You, it was almost acknowledging the fact that I needed help. And to say that you need help 
and like let your ego down and ask for help and say, yes, actually, could I borrow some money or can everyone just, you know, be a little bit lenient with me this month? How we got out of that was I had to have an honest conversation with the team. I said, hey, listen, you know, I, there are some invoices outstanding. I'm doing my absolute best. I had to make a choice to, of course, let, let uh, a team member go, which is, it's hard as a business owner. You don't want to make those choices. And, but of course, the best thing about doing that when I did that was that the employee said, I understood. Like they walked away knowing and having that honest over conversation for me showed me that you can make the hard choices and feel comfortable with that. And people will, won't hate you for it. You can mm. show humanity in your life and say, oh my God, I'm actually struggling with this. Only when I was able to actually verbalize that I needed help and verbalize how bad it's gotten, did I finally see that people were willing to help if I just opened up my hands and said, please help me. So I think that's the world we're kind of living in. We're living in a very vanity world where we show just the highlights mm. that when I finally let the guard on, they're like, oh my God. I'm here to help. So um, thankfully, the people we surround ourselves with, the community, uh, people referred business over, um, people paid their invoices, and there was cash in the door. Excellent. But um, employees were able to, to understand that. So that was my point where I was like, it's because it went back to those limiting beliefs. Oh, for sure. I'm going to pause for two seconds because this yeah. sunshine. Yeah, well, hydrate, water hydrate, break. water break, water break, lighting change. I was like, I was expecting cloud cover for most of the afternoon and I was wrong. You know what? I could, I actually could be a meteorologist. My accuracy is on point. Is it? I'm impressed because mine's never on point. Well, that's what the point is, is that when do meteorologists often, they're, oh, they they're, always get wrong. They they're, always get wrong. <laughs> they're not often. I mean, sometimes they're right, but I mean, it's also Alberta. So every 20 minutes, the weather could change. You do live in Alberta. Which is crazy. Right? Wow. 20 every 20 minutes the weather could change. Bonkers. Bonkers. Okay, I want to cool. go back to you. Oh yeah. That's it. I was like, cool. Oh. Okay, <laughs> great. <laughs> um, I want to go back to your conversation. This is one thing that I don't talk a lot about on this podcast, but in my personal world, I have a lot of conversations about it. Relationships with money and yeah. that scarcity mindset versus possibility, creativity, or some people call it wealth consciousness, some people call it. Um, abundance mindset. It's like, there's a bunch of different, there's a lot of different language around it out there. What were some of your old money stories and what are your stories about money now? Oh yeah. So this is interesting because it really is dependent on who you surround yourself with your culture. Like there's a lot of things that play into money mindset. So before there was always never enough money, mm, never enough making, money. Yeah. There's never enough. It could be I, if I had more money, I could be doing this. So if I had more money, I could be having an additional, you know, revenue to go on vacation. I could have more time. I could have more energy because then I can pay somebody to like, there's, there's possibilities there. Um, another thing with money that always came to the door was um, if you do not have any savings, then you are failing. So mm. if you don't have money in the door, then you are a failure. Right. And that's, that's a really sad thing to say, because if you grew up like I, I grew up, it was just about safety and, you know, making sure that food was on the table. And if you do not have money, then you have failed in the basic human need, which was shelter, food, and safety. Mm, totally. 
So those are my, that was my relationship. With oh my God. I don't know. What was yours when it came to um, Well, so the things that my parents would say, and, and when we talk about money stories and abundance consciousness or mindset or whatever thing about that, it's not, it's not about, um, sitting there and like thinking your way to it. It's just like, what, how, how do you relate to it? If I relate, it's the same way as if I relate to every, I love using dating as a parallel for money because they're the same. I, uh, so if I treat, if I believe every man is untrustworthy, the only thing I will ever see is untrustworthiness, even in the most trustworthy of people. And so it's the same thing with, it's the same thing with anything. So money is a great example. So my parents would always say money doesn't grow in trees. Don't heat Alberta as if everything will always run out. It will always run out. Or at the perception that everything is expensive. Everything's yeah. expensive. Everything costs so much. And I'm like, is that really true? I went, I, I went for a long time. Like I somehow managed to make money work in my life for a while with, I, by doing this, like just praying and, and like sometimes peeking through my fingers, um, being like, oh, do well. I was so afraid of money. I wouldn't look at my bank account to see if I had enough money to pay for tuition. I just worked as many hours as I could and just didn't touch it as if that was somehow going to make sure there was the right amount of money. So I, uh, money wasn't to be looked at. That was kind of like an unspoken rule. Like, don't look at it. Like it's, it's dangerous. Like if you went as if it's going to play hide and seek with you, like what, what was that about? Uh, and that it, there was just, I had a family, I have a family of four girls. So there's four, there's four, a sibling set of four. And, uh, I was the, I am the eldest still the same. And it was you, you're the oldest you understand. So my relationship with was, I will get things second and I will never get to pick. And so now I wait when people even ask my preference in life, I'll wait to not do that. And, And imagine going through your life for 36 years, not saying what you want. No one else really wanted someone just picked well, for example, you're at a luncheon and there is a, I don't know, pick your favorite beverage. It's the apple juice of your dreams. And no one actually really wants it, but you really want it. And someone just takes it because it's convenient. It's there. It's by their hand. You could have been like, I want the apple juice. And it's like, oh, you can just have the apple juice. It's like, I don't really want it. But if, if I don't ask for it, there's no way of me even having the opportunity to say yes. I'm already someone else's no. And that shows that in, in sales, in business, in, in mindset with money in job opportunities, I'll, I'll say no on their behalf for me before they even get a chance to say no. So that was some of the stuff growing up that was all around money, but that looked like different things in different areas of my life growing, uh, as I aged. Yeah, no, I get that. Cause I was the same with me. It was like, I don't have money for this or it's too mm-hmm. expensive or mm-hmm. not right now, maybe in the future, right? It's always like maybe later. Maybe later I can Over there. my spoils. Yeah. So mm-hmm. that was something that I feel like we were taught very young. That was the oldest as well. Not many people mm-hmm. know that too. I'm the oldest. My sister looks like she's my age. We are not twins, everybody. She is She is definitely younger. <laughs> and it was like, yeah, you understand or, you know, set a good example for, mm, yep. for your sister, right? So it was always like, okay, everyone mimics me. So now I have to set this example of we don't need this right now, which sucks. Yeah. Oh yeah. my God. It's so bad. And even like, even as you said that I was thinking about my behaviors with shopping and I will buy something because it makes sense financially, not because I love it. What a ridiculous, I'm like, Oh, like that's a great, that's a great tank. It's like a great price. I'm like no, I lived that way for years. And now I'm like, 
Do I love it? <laughs> do I, I don't care if it's $5 or $50. Do I love it? If it's an, if it's, I don't love it, then it doesn't come home. And it's, it's a completely different way of making decisions. And, and here that I'm not just like buying like crazy amounts of $7,000 tank tops. It's I'm making a decision based on if it, I, I was, John was talking about earlier. If I, if I like it, if it's, if it feels good or right, there's something about it. You know, there's certain materials I don't like against my skin. It doesn't feel good. I don't wool. And I just, I want to like it, but it itches me. So I'm just not going to wear it. Yeah. I get that. I have sensitive skin too. So, oh my God. Yeah. Feeling you girl feeling you. So what do you, what are your money beliefs like now? How do you approach money now? I make a very conscious effort with vocabulary now. Mm. So Mm -hmm. it's very important because when I get an invoice to be paid, right? So everyone's like, oh, that's a cost. That's an expense. I'm like, no, actually that's an investment. So Mm. if I took out debt, because I, a lot of business owners have debt. We have to really talk about this. I have debt, but it's paying off over a long term. I took that as an investment. I Mm. took that as an opportunity. Like there has to be a way where if I see a cost and I'm like, you know, I can't afford that right now. I say, I can, I'm not ready to make that sort of investment right now, right? Because you're investing in something long-term. It's not that you're saying that I can't afford it. Right. So it's interesting of like switching the vocabulary out loud because then that's interesting because I'm in a team environment where we're all in the office. They start using the same words too. So it's like, okay, are we going to invest in another team member? Are we going to take on instead of seeing it as a cost for payroll, right? And that's right. where I have to be very conscious. So that's the first one. And then the second thing right now for when it comes to mindset and like switching up the mindset, of course, is that there will always be another client or another opportunity just because what happens is we get into that mindset of I need money right now. So I'm going to take on whatever I can to grow or I'll work the extra 50 hours or right. There's you, the opportunity right now needs extra hustle. So I will just hustle harder. That's not the case. It's, there will be always another opportunity for me. So those are the two things that I do right now. And it's a work in progress. It doesn't mean I have it all figured out right now. It's still taking practice. Uh, well, and it's, it's rewiring how you think and how you see things, right? Like if I'm, tr- I'm taking on the belief that it always works out for me. Like it may not look like how I planned it in my mind, but it always works out. Like it, there, things might go sideways. Things might unfold. I might get more changes happen, but I'm like, it always works out. And then what I found is that when I do that, I start, when I start saying that to myself, I look at things and I'm like, oh, wow, that project got delayed by three months. And I'm a time person. Like if time, you mess up my schedule or my timelines, I go bananas. It's just not, a, I <laughs> really like your, your most valuable resource for you is your time is what you're yep. saying. I usually like yeah. if I, if I feel I'm like, or people, I feel where if people don't understand the investment of time I put into whatever, I'm like, like, come on, that is, I can't renew that. <laughs> like, that's how, that's how I operated for a long time. And I'm now, I'm now clear that just because it wasn't the path I picked doesn't mean it wasn't the path that wasn't had an even better outcome for me. So the project that got delayed by three months actually is allowing me to do this really wicked photo shoot that I wouldn't have been able to do if that project was launching in September. And so now I get to fly my whole team to Kelowna and do this really epic shoot. And I I would have never planned it that way. I didn't even think we were going to get the opportunity. Like all of these things are unfolding and I'm like, oh, wow, that worked out way better than expected. And now my new thing is it just works out better than expected. 
It just, it will always work out better than expected. And the path unfolds step-by-step. And you talked about incremental steps earlier, like I'm being willing to do incremental growth and it can be so painful to just wait for that thing. And there is a quote that I'm sure has been like circulating for quite some time. The person, the man or person who likes walking will get further than the man who's, who likes the destination. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I'm going to love the walk. I love walking. I walk for no bloody reason. I like, I like walk cause I like trees. And so I was like, if I took that same mentality and applied it to my business, applied it to my podcast, applied it to how I run my team, what does that look like? And the, the emotional regulation that comes with it and, and hear me clearly, like I, I, all, humans are emotional creatures. You can't escape it. You just can't people. I, for every person out there who thinks they make rational buying decisions. I just need to tell you that if you're lying to yourself about that, you lied to yourself about other things too. (laughs) We make decisions because we generally 90% of decisions are emotional and then we justify or rationalize them after the fact. That's why storytelling works. Yeah. That's why you, I walked into my home uh, before I purchased it and I was like, this is it. The way it, the sun was setting, the backyard faces west, and it just felt right. And my dad's like, you sure? <laughs> I was like, yeah. He's like, weird. <laughs> like, it's not, it's super builder basics. It's, there's so much that's like, just, it's underwhelming in, in many, many ways, but it felt right compared to a lot of other things. And I, the decision was completely emotional and the amount of money I've had to put into like redo floorings, add fin- pictures of finishes I like, but the, the, the beauty of that journey is that it became mine and that the steps unfolded and that I didn't, I, I didn't question my feeling decision. And I actually want to tie back to that because you talked earlier about when you knew corporate didn't feel right anymore. And my sister and I were talking last night about the day I, I, I would get so frustrated when people would ask me, well, what do you want to do with your life? I'm in university. I'm taking my undergrad in psych uh, because I like it. And so for a portion of my life, I made decisions based on, I'll call it pleasure, things I enjoyed, things that brought out better versions of me that brought out whatever. Like I I was just a better version. I was fascinated. I was engaged. I was performing well. And that's how I made decisions. I was like, what brings out the best in me? And people will be like, well, what do you want to do? And I'm like, I don't know what the title is, but I know what the impact is. And I know what it feels like. And it, it was, people hated that answer, but I was like, no. And now I'm clear that I need to go back to that way of decision-making. So that was my like epiphany last night that when you said it today, I was like, if that wasn't a divine sign, I don't know what is. You have to sign. It was absolute. I was like, oh, that was, that was obvious. Got it. (laughs) Got it. But it it was like, okay. So I know, I know I want to make a difference in the lives of others. I know I want people to have what they want. You want to be the best runner. I want you to have that. You want to have the best business. I want you to have that. I, I really like I love watching my niece enjoy herself when she is playing with bubbles or she's playing with makeup and she's having so much fun. I get a, like a crazy wild amount of like, like love, joy, rapture, bliss, appreciation. And if that's how I'm built, if that's my mechanism, if that's my superpower, my juice, the thing that lights me on fire, it's certainly not what everybody is lit on fire by. So why not harness that? So if you can ask yourself, what is it? that feels good to me specifically. That'll be your intrinsic barometer, your compass for motivation where you can make a decision 
that's better because the truth is when you make a decision that is better for you, it actually isn't selfish because if you are a better version of you and you can be of more service, you can be of more love, you can be of, and I, I mean, hear the woo-woo in that at, if you want, but let me tell you, when someone is miserable and unloving and unkind and unjust, we don't like them. We make scathing remarks about them. And when they come with compassion, kindness, love, gentleness, understanding, that person goes places. That person is given freely opportunities. That person wins races. And so the nice guys finish last is no longer for sure real, at least in my world. And I just really encourage you to do what feels good. Uh, Joanne's doing it. I'm doing it. And ta-da, look, things are getting better. Are getting better before I jump into more questions. I just like, just in case you had anything to add to that, feel free to. No, that was that was mostly it because I feel like we don't talk about the idea of you know redefining what excellence is for us, mm. so that's different. Like, that's not success because success the word is overused all the time. Uh, but excellence for us, what does that mean? It doesn't mm. mean like you have to be you know this top runner if you don't want to be, like, you can be the best in what you define your best is. And for me, being a business owner, I don't want to grow to be a big agency with like 45 people and working on That's not my vision for myself. I'm very perfectly happy to have a team of five at one point, and that will be my goal, and I will retire happy. Yeah. And that's, that's basically how it is. It's not really looking at like what does everyone else define for you? And that's, mm -hmm. I really hope that people take away from this is it takes time to figure out what you want. So if you don't know it right now, though, it, it's okay to take some time. Absolutely. And that, and give yourself some grace in the process of understanding it. And once you get to that level and you realize, so here's what, here's what I've learned. And I don't know if this aligns with you. I have this goal and I get here. And then all of a sudden, when I'm standing at this vantage point, I see things a little differently and maybe I could have gone here, but I might actually go here. So rather than going directly up, I actually go laterally and then up in a different way. And that doesn't mean climbing a corporate ladder. That could mean, oh my gosh, I, I was talking to Joanne about one of my goals is end range strength and mobility, like playing. I, uh, I play hard. I love playing with my niece. I love like throwing her in the pool. I love jumping on the trampoline with her. And I don't want to be, I don't want to be that person that's afraid to jump on the trampoline. I don't want to be like, like something could hurt. I want end range strength and mobility and flexible. I want to feel completely alive and expansive in my body. Like I love that. And that's a really exciting goal for me, but I didn't have that. That wasn't even on my radar until I started lifting weights. And I noticed something felt a little crunchy and I went to Cairo and he suggested a couple stretches and I started doing that. And I was like, oh, I could do ass to grass squats. What? And then now that I saw that, I got to, I was like, well, what else is possible? And so you might hit your goal, which was, I had a certain weight I wanted to squat and I hit that. And I was like, but now I know I can move my body in bigger ways. And I'm like, I kind of, I had a, another rule paradigm thing in my head that as you age, your body falls apart. Not necessarily true. No, not necessarily. That's true. I'm literally in the best shape of my life. Uh, probably not by like certain magazine standards, but whatever for relative to the game of Clarissa, which is the game I'm playing right now. It's cool. I have this avatar. She's loud. She's fun. She likes bold lips and makes nice friends. <laughs> I, in that game, I'm like, I want to play. I want to have so much fun. And I want to be able to do crazy 
moves with, I want to be able to do cartwheels without worrying. Like if I'm, I'm going to tear my groin. Like, <laughs> I don't know if I'm ready for this, but fun is really important, but I wouldn't have known that, that I, that I could have fun in that way if I hadn't achieved that one goal. So Joanne might get to her fifth person and be like, you know, it'd be really great is pick your thing, a hot air balloon company, something, she might see something totally different available to her and then choose differently. So that graciousness and figuring it out and then giving yourself permission to choose again. You get where you want to go and you're like, oh, never mind. This could, this was cool, but you know, it's also cool. And it doesn't mean you're unsatisfied. It means you're exploring and inexpansive. And here's the truth is if the universe, which I mean, I've never studied physics and the universe, but I've been told it is constantly expanding, ever growing. If it's allowed to do that, why can't you? I agree. I agree. Actually, that brings up a good point. We should go into this topic because you talked about a lot here. There's a lot we need to unpack here. I'm I'm sorry. I got ranty. You know what we need to talk about? We need to talk about not the fear of failure, but the fear of success. Because you, you brought up a really good point here is that a lot of people are so scared to get to that goal, right? That goal of, okay, I want to, one thing for me, like I, one goal for me was I wanted to squat with the bar. Like that was just like a small goal, small goal now. But that was the one thing I wanted to do. But I was so scared to like get to that point that it almost capped me from getting there because like, okay, well, this is comfortable. So I'm just going to keep doing this one thing. And then I just don't want to even get to that point. So it might be cool to unpack this idea of like, okay, what it's okay to say that you can get to a goal and then completely switch gears. Like you don't, it doesn't necessarily mean that you get to it. And then the next step is, okay, I'm going to add like 10 pounds on each side. Like there's, there's more to this than, than that. It could be, I got increased mobility like you, which was fabulous. I got the fact that, you know, my calves look absolutely amazing at this point. And then like everything else looks amazing. So there's a lot of it there that doesn't necessarily mean that linear approach too. So there could be some stuff there with like the fear of success to unpack. Talk to me about like, have you run into fear of success? Multiple times. Oh, yeah. Tell me, tell me, tell me more. Okay. Let's. Let's take a step back and like, I'll explain what the fear of success is. Cause I Let's think not it. many people know about it is that, um, I keep assuming people I'm like, you know, I know, let's go. You're like, Let's go. <laughs> Let's, well, let's rewind. Like, you're totally right. Okay. Look, walk fear us through of- what you, under, what your understanding of the fear of success is. And then you can add to it. So the fear of success for me is that we fear to get to a certain point because we don't know what would be after that point. So for example, I know to grow a six-figure company, I've had to work this many hours, grow my team to this certain point. And I think to myself, if I got to my goal that I had set for myself, would I do it all over again or what is even next? So if I had a goal, for example, to be a New York Times bestseller and I reached that goal because a lot of authors talk about this, they reached the goal of being a New York Times bestseller and now they have to write the second book It's like this huge fear because if you were successful, now you have to do that all over again. And that that expectation there is that fear. So for me, it it comes up a lot. I don't know about you, but I fear sometimes like, okay, how much more, what's my identity after I've achieved this one major milestone for myself? And so that's something that I don't know if you've experienced in your life is this idea of fear of success. Yeah, it, it can show up. So, and it, so fear of success can show up in so many different ways. It can show up like, so but one, when you talked about squatting, I was like, oh my God, that time I was afraid to add another plate. 
I there I had no I had maxed out like my I would I could go forever on those reps. It was insane, but I was so afraid of what could happen and it could be like well it could go right but could it all it could also I could hurt myself. But I was like there's no way I could hurt myself because I can squat many many reps and do many many sets of this weight like uh, but I was like, okay, well then what? And then, well, what if I can only, what if I can do one? What if I can do two? So they, it can sometimes sound like a fear of failure, but really it's like, well, it's that, it's that um, big inhale before you leap when you don't know what the fall is going to feel like. And you don't really, you jump out of a plane expecting to fall and you expect that feeling. And that is part of the plan. Uh, and, and you know, the parachute's going to open, but when you put on the plate and you, and you're not really sure, you're like, well, then what? And then, and and then what? And then what? And you can fast forward and play all these situations. So an example for me for fear of success, many of you who've listened to my podcast have heard one or two dating stories. Uh, of course, I want to be in love. And of course, I want a family. Like I say, of course, it, for me specifically, if you know me, of course, Clarissa specifically wants that. That is, it would be crazy if you knew me and you'd be like, Clarissa does not want that. That If you knew me, you would never think that. And I mean, I think Joanne can speak to that. It's like, I like, I speak kid better than I speak grown up. I don't, I don't know what it is. Kids light me on fire. I, I think they're so cool, but I am, I, what I've noticed is my fear of success inside of a relationship. And so someone was interested, is interested. And I'm like, Oh, that's so fun. Oh, but then I have to sell my house and then I have to sort out my shit. And then I have to possibly move to a different city. And then, and then, and, the, and, and rather than going for what I want, I sit there and look at all of the things that could have me shift who I am and possibly change or alter my identity. And the truth is every day you level up, every day you're slightly different in your cellular being, every day you're slightly new or, or different in some way. So you're never quite the same as you were yesterday. And you get locked in your identity of who you are because that is comfortable, that is known. And I, sometimes I don't even call it comfortable, it's familiar. And we collapse familiarity with safety. But let me tell you, there are plenty of people who stay in abusive relationships with people and substances because it's familiar, not because it's safe, but it, because we understand it, we can predict, we can predict it and we know it, we stay and it does not serve us. It isn't healthy. And it certainly by most metrics and by most people's, if they could weigh the magic wand, would life look this way? Success measures, happiness, fulfilled, actually safe. Uh, it doesn't hit those metrics. and so. Fear of success can look like a lot of crazy things, like a lot of, so I, I'll, I'll step in the way of growing my business or dating the person or whatever, because I'm worried that if I change, I'm going to lose my family. That's probably the biggest fear is that I'll lose something if I get more successful or if I, or if I have the love of my life, or if I live the way I want to live, people aren't going to want to be around me. And when your values for, so for me, connection, uh, connection, contribution of fun, generally the three values that drive me in every single way, shape and form and facet of my life. If I feel like the next thing is still going to have access to those, because that's how I just—that's how I choose things, and yet it'll have me lose something I love, or has has me perceive that I might possibly, maybe lose something I love. I won't even risk it. For what reason to stifle my own like joy, happiness, bliss? Come on, like get a grip. So yes, fear of success is freaking real. It's real. Huge. It's huge. Yeah. And I fear it all the time because I think of myself, okay, what am I outside of marketing? If I was like, oh, because for the longest time, I've always loved nail polish. 
I tell that to everybody. I love nail polish. I think that it's an industry that could be evolved. Like all there's so many things I could do with it. But what's Joanne outside of marketing? Like, what if I completely went into the beauty realm? What would what would that look like? And so, but then I'm like, oh, but then I would have to give this up. And it just it hinders that success for me. So, anyways, I see it a lot of times. And you keep mentioning it. It's the idea that it's not linear. You can look at it and go towards it and then figure it out as you go along. And I think social media does have a little bit of a play with it too. Like we see other people and we compare. And that's another thing I always wanted to mention was when it comes with that fear of success, it's usually because we uh, compare ourselves as well. Mm, Oh, for sure. Comparison. And one thing you brought up that I was like, oh my God, you have to say this is that we, rather than, or what about and? Mm-hmm. what if rather than marketing or nail polish, it was marketing and, you know, like I had to re, I had to re qualify what an identity meant for me. So I've very rarely identified with my job. I often, I often hate telling people what I do for a living. Uh, I have a big story. I had a big story around being in business. I had a big story around being specifically in marketing. I, cause I wanted to not, I didn't want to be stuck in one area and I can remember people meeting me and be like, oh my God, of course you're in marketing. You're so friendly. You're so outgoing. You're so energetic. And I'm like, you do know that I, I ran like summer camps for like five years before this. And that also was the same reaction I got there. And it's just also just, I know other things. I love neuroscience. And so I, I often felt like I got pigeon, pigeonholed into this specific identity. And so what I had to do is rather than, or embrace the end, I am energetic and I like neuroscience and I like fitness and I like learning all of the time. And I like having fun and I like, and, and, and so going from just being in marketing or just doing business to, and having a podcast and having my own business and being a speaker, why, why, why are we binary in our thinking? So honestly, if we're binary in our thinking, it's from a neuroscience perspective, completely normal. Cause we learned left, right, up, down, black, white, stop, go. And, and it's yep. often, it, it, and it's just one of the most fundamental ways young humans, babies, they can't, they don't understand gradients. They don't understand gradients. They're, they're literal, like their visual cortex can't even understand gradients. They often, it, it's just not a thing. And so we take those patterns and then we build off them and we build off them and we build off them. But often we go back to basics when we're in survival mode, which is the world of, or, and when we're in thriving mode, we land in the world of, and, and so you can be Joanne and et cetera. You can have whatever you want, whatever you want. Bibbity, bobbity, boo. Okay. We've almost hit, we might've hit an hour. We've almost hit an hour. And I want to know, I, I, I mean, you've got some exciting things coming down the pipe. And I love a good humble brag. Um, I call them humble brags. I think just cheer it off of rooftops, celebrate, go have some freaking fun, spray people. You know what? I want to be like a race car driver who wins every time. You just shake the living daylights out of that <laughs> champagne bottle and then you squirt everyone. You get your peers, you get yourself and it's fun. So I feel like what's going on in your life that you can race car driver celebrate about right now? What's going on for you? All right, friend, you get the exclusive tea of what's going on in Joanne's life, Joanne and self-published author. Here we go. I know it's, uh, it's absolutely unreal. 
I am so excited because for the longest time, I've always wanted to write a book. Just didn't really know about what, to be completely honest. I just knew that one thing that I want to leave in this world when it came to my legacy was a part of me that people could reread and hopefully use that to inspire them or to grow, make courageous goals, etc. So that is something I am talking about the concept of empathy marketing. So this concept of can we take a data point, which is your key performance indicator and all these numbers that everyone uses, and actually look at the concept of an emotion, which is empathy, and could that be your key driver for success? Or could that be your key driver in your business? So not many people know this, but before I was in marketing, I was contemplating to be in accounting because I was so good at numbers. That's just like you. They were like, you're so good at numbers. You could be in finance. You're so good at numbers. You do market research all those pieces. So this book is super short, super short and sweet. Uh, my friend, of course, Eric at 12 Creative, he is designing the book for me, which is so, so sweet. And it has been a lot of love from multiple people who have helped and contributed from it. I just said, let's do this. And then everybody, of course, wanted to help and contribute. So you get the tea that'll be launching real soon here. And I just feel like it's going to show a very different perspective. It's going to show my perspective on the world. It's going to show a little bit about, you know, business. Of course, yeah, there's a business book of, on all those pieces, but it's also thinking about reframing um, how we're influenced. Mm. So how do we take influence when it comes to a consumer level? Uh, what does that involve? Like, what does that, is it people around us or is it, you know, where we were born? Is it geographic? Like, what, what does influence look like? Um, so I feel like that chapter will be very interesting for a lot of people. And I think that is something everyone should look out for. I am so excited. Okay. Listeners, this, the second it comes out, I will let you all know, we'll put a link to it in the show notes once we get that. And yeah. uh, once it comes live and, uh, we'll, maybe we can do a giveaway. That could be fun. Okay. A cute little giveaway. That'd be great. So keep your eyes peeled for Miss Joanne's new book. And what's it called? Do we have a title? Uh, I have a rough title, but I'm not no, going to say it right no, now no, because no. you know what? It's, it's that process. Like we talked about on this podcast about having this like concept mm -hmm. and then actually getting to that point and going, oh, okay, never mind. Because when I wrote this, so writing a manuscript is a lesson in itself. Oh my God. It's the, one of the biggest personal development thing, like owning your business, personal development, writing anything, anything it's, and I just kind of went with the flow of here was the outline. And I moved the outline. I got rid of stuff. I got rid of things that just didn't feel right. So it's, it's evolving, it's changing and it'll launch and it will be something that won't be perfect. And that's okay. It'll stay tuned good. folks. Stay tuned. Cause here's the truth is that there's very few things in life that are perfect ever. Very few times are things perfect. And if they are, ask yourself if, if you're really seeing what is so, or if there's an illusion. Uh, and that is so Good. Congratulations on courageous decision-making and putting yourself out there and putting pen to paper. And that is like, I haven't written a book, but I wrote a thesis and <laughs> like, how I can't even imagine, like, I can't even imagine. So I'm so excited for you. Empathy is such a powerful tool. And John and I both work in the world of marketing. And prior to our podcast today, we were talking about, you know, when you touch women, inspire people, you're speaking to what they value. And, and if you want people that buy from you in a meaningful way so that they are well served and that you are well connected with them, whether they ever buy from you again or not, 
that level of connection is when you create that empathetic response between two people are because businesses they're operated by people and we'd be lying to ourselves if they weren't. We sometimes pretend a business is a machine or is an organization that is inanimate and it's not, it's animate. And, uh, I cannot wait to see this book. I cannot wait to get my hands on it and read it. I'm very excited about it. I'm excited too. Um, Excellent. Okay. Well, any closing words, my friend, any closing words? No, nothing. I just think that it was such a pleasure to be on the podcast. It's always great to catch up with you. Of course, I appreciate it. If anyone wants to touch base or talk or anything, you know that my door is always open. Uh, that's my biggest thing for me. My vision in this world is just to connect with people. Um, like Clarissa, I have values too. And mine revolves around integrity and just doing as I say. So anyone that wants to reach out, feel free to. I'm always open for a conversation. Excellent. And where are the, where are the best places for people to find you? You can find me on Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, all the social media, because I love experimenting at Joanne J. Bart. And you can also find me on my website at empathy, empathy, T-H-I-E at the end, because it's empathy.ca for more information. Excellent. Well, thank you so much. It was such a pleasure having you on today. And I cannot wait to see this book and the waves you continue to make as you achieve new goals and look different directions. Thanks so much. If this podcast has landed with you, served you, provided value, please let us know. Give us a like, subscribe, share it with a friend that you know it will make a difference for. We are here to be a contribution and a service to others. We cannot wait to see you next time. Thanks again for tuning in. Take care.